Hey everyone, you're listening to episode number 41 of the Elysium Project podcast, A Stroke of Sobriety with Patrick Trudeau. I'm your host, Brian Johnson. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please be sure to like and subscribe and visit us online at www.elysiumproject.ca. Our brand new marketplace is now live with fair trade products and original artwork from individuals all around the world. Your purchases directly support the individuals behind the work, as well as 10% of every purchase goes towards this year's charity, the Fruit Tree Planting Foundation. www.elysiumproject.ca I'm here today with one of my good friends, Patrick Trudeau. Patrick and I met about five years ago when we were both working as hairstylists in a high-end salon in downtown Calgary. A few years ago, while I was in the hospital due to my own health complications, I ran into Patrick again. Today, we're going to talk about his journey from working in the hair industry to having a stroke in 2018 and what life has been like since. Patrick, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you. Yeah. Good to see you. You too. Yeah, I remember that uh, that day vividly in the hospital. I think we were either one of us was getting on the uh, as elevator and the other was getting off. I think I was pulled in backwards or something, so I didn't recognize it was you. And then as we kind of turned around, the doors closed on yeah. us, and there was that moment of recognition. It's like Patrick, what yeah. are you doing here? Yeah. And then and then I didn't see you until i was discharged from the hospital and we started chatting again but that was a funny little um synchronicity there yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah you and i met uh like i said about five five years or so ago working at a salon in in downtown calgary you've obviously been in the industry for uh or were in the industry for quite a bit longer than myself um but we are both hairstylists and share that passion that artistic passion for creating art out of hair which which is cool and uh and now you're doing more uh visual arts on paper drawing and stuff much like myself so a lot of similarities there and then of course the um hospitalizations so let's start with that let's talk a little bit about the stroke and what happened with that and what life has been like since okay well um my my lifestyle definitely led to my stroke so from 2018 to present i haven't returned home mm. you know and uh, my life changed mm-hmm. and i ended up in the foothills hospital where i was trying to rehabilitate and recover and um, I lived in the Foothills Hospital for about nine months before wow. I was placed into a group home. And I never was able to return home because I had to live in a place that was accessible. Because of my stroke, I ended up with left side paralysis. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been definitely a wild ride. Um, I can imagine nine months, you know hospital yeah. is a, a long time not yeah. many people other than at the end of their lives not many people 
experience that long of a stay in a hospital. I was there for a week and even that was uh, such an intense experience yeah. for me to be just sort of going along living life as I as I normally do and then having an emergency being hospitalized um, I can't imagine what that would have been like for you having having the stroke mm-hmm. yeah it, it was it was tough because even um, where I first was placed in the hospital the, I always thought that oh I'd be here for a couple months max right i'll be better i'll be able to walk out of here i'll return to normal not knowing that this would become my life as we see now and um you know every day is a journey into this trying to recover and rehabilitate and um in the hospital they they focus on that they focus on um trying to rehabilitate you and they give you three months and mm. in the hospital, um, after the three months is up, that's it. And basically, you're told what you see is what you get. So, mm. you know, um, I did a little bit of um, research myself about it. And um, it, I learned that we can rehabilitate ourselves through brain mm-hmm. neuroplasticity. Yeah. So it, it's very interesting, you know. Um you know, it's been, I'm left with this disability. However, every day is a new day. And every day there's something new that happens. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get better. As, we go, as I go along, I get better. And I may not be exactly as I was, but I'm definitely getting better. So the stroke that you had was a predominantly affected your mobility then because cognitively you're the same exactly person that my my stroke was on the right side of my brain okay so um it 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 hit the emotional part of my my being and um and down into the back of my um head in the lower part of the brain it it that's where the motor skills were Mm. are challenged yeah so it's um it's different i'm thankful you know, it's unfortunate I had a stroke, but I'm thankful that it was on the right side and not the left. If it was the, the left, would affect your. It, cog- it, it would be affect my cognitive brain, it, okay. my rationale, my everything, and having right side dis, par, being paralyzed on the right side would have been. I wouldn't even be able to draw or paint. Wow. You know, so I'm thankful I'm right-handed. So. My my stroke was on the right side, affecting the left. So if it would have been on the left, it would have affected my right. That's mm. right. And immediately following the stroke, were you, you were still able to use the right side of your yes. body, or okay? Yeah, so. and through the through the whole process, I was able to think for myself, talk for myself, advocate for myself, um, and I'm still I was still able to do what I need to do as far as writing goes and and in the hospital I was like doing a lot of art and you know it was uh what they call art therapy and yeah. you know it was it was good like at least I had that creativity still you know cuz my you know the stroke took me away from my mm-hmm. my craft my my livelihood yeah you know? what was it like the the moment you had the stroke what was like going through your 
your head at that time if you're open to sharing? Um, I, w- I would say the first thing that went through my head was, let's see how fast we can change this. How fast will this heal? Mm. What can I do? You know, mm. and, um, you know, after feeling that way and learning, it's all what I can do. It's mm. all that the therapists are trying to help me realize is that it's all within me. And that's what I think <clears throat> a lot of people need to realize that go through this is that it's up to you. Mm-hmm. You know, no one can do this for you. You know, they they can give you the tools. They can educate you, teach you, but it's up to you. So that's what it's been for me. You know, these last three years, it's been, you know, trying to recover. You know, I, I have hopes to do hair again. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, I can never, I can never stop dreaming. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it will forever be in me. It's all I've ever done, you know, from age 16 on. Yeah. You know, here I am 52, well, 48 when I had my stroke, mm. you know, so, you know, I did hair for 33 years. Yeah. You know, it's all I ever did. I don't know anything else. And you else. were one of the, uh, for many years, the top hairstylists in the city. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thank you. Shout, shout that out. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, um, I've been very blessed with the career that I had. Mm-hmm. And we've titled this episode A Stroke of Sobriety. And what I'm really interested in Um Obviously, when you went into the hospital there prior to that, and we've we spoken about this, we're going to be open to talking. Yes. You were addicted to methamphetamine. That's right. Yeah. So what was that like going in, you know, oh, shit, I'm having a stroke. I'm going into the hospital. You can't use methamphetamine <laughs> in the hospital. Well, maybe you could, but. <laughs> Funny enough, you say that because um <laughs> I, I brought a large amount with me oh. into the hospital thinking, oh my God, I got to keep this with me because someone that I know will take it and I have to protect it because I need this for when I get out of here and get better. Mm. You know, not knowing that I would end up giving it to the doctor to p- put into biohazard material mm. in the hospital. You know, so I was very lucky that he took it away and, and I chose to give that to him. That was the first big step for me was to say, here you go. Did you, uh, attempt to use it at all after? No, no, no. The way I was using it, you need to, I need both hands. Okay. There's yeah. no way. I could have. Yeah, I th- I, that's what I was thinking. In, in a hospital, it would be very difficult yeah, <laughs> to and, try. And, and. and who wants to stay up for 32 hours in a day yeah. to satisfy that while you're trying to recover in the hospital from a stroke? Like, you know, the day, the, the day that the stroke happened, I actually... It, it was a course of a few days that it actually brought itself on okay you know it was um some people have immediate strokes right mine i would say happened over a course of three days 
Really? To the, to the point where when I went into the Foothills Hospital, I walked into the hospital. Mm. I walked in and I was able to walk up to the Heart and Stroke Foundation really? where they, they brought me into the hospital. But as the time progressed through that day, I got worse and worse and worse to the point where I tried to stand and I fell. Really? Wow. Yeah. And so I didn't realize that um, strokes could be that way. I always assumed that they were, you know, yeah. like they switch. Yeah, instantaneous. Everybody's stroke is different. There's no two strokes that are the same. So, you know, I had a, I have a friend that had a stroke, a, a colleague of ours, and um, she went in with left side paralysis, same as me, mm-hmm. and she walked out of there. Mm. And full, full movement, and she's working again as a hairstylist, and she recovered in three months. And the doctors are looking at her going... What is that? Mm, mm-hmm. You know, whereas me, exact same symptoms or results, and I'm still here trying to rehabilitate. Yeah. You know, and like I said, it gets better, you right. know, but, but she's lucky. I would give anything. Mm-hmm. I'd give anything to do her again. Yeah. Yeah. You've often mentioned to me, though, in in talking that you have a sense, you know, as much as, uh, of course, you do want to be doing hair again, you have a sense of gratitude that that this happened to you. And I imagine a, a big part of that is that after the stroke happened, you were forced to to sober up and stop using the methamphetamines and i'm really curious about that and what kind of was going in your head as the experience progressed you know you said you went in you brought a certain amount of the the substance with you thinking that you're gonna you needed (laughs) that and then as the days and weeks went by i mean it was in a way a recovery center as for not only for the stroke, but for, for your active addiction. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So take me back to that time of what was going through your head during those, those days and weeks. I've, I did a lot of soul searching in the hospital when I was there. And, and um, I thought a lot about this path that I had been on. You know, and um, I I struggled trying to get off this stuff. Mm. You know, so I have this stroke and I have this self-realization that, you know, this stroke could have killed me, but yeah. it didn't. And um, it's almost like being given a second chance at life. The totally. Uni- the universe yeah. blessed me with life. And uh, realizing that when I was in the hospital, it was like, okay, here you are. You have something that you need to deal with. Now you also have to deal with the core of this, mm-hmm. which was the addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, so thank God the Foothills had resources there and support. You know, and I I used the resources. I went to Narcotics Anonymous. Actually, no, it was uh, 
AA meetings that were open. So oh, yeah. it, you could you could go even if you didn't have uh alcohol addiction, then right. you could talk about any addictions. That's what an open meeting means. And so I, I went to those meetings and um you know I I I aired out a lot there and that really helped to um cope with um not using, not being around the people, that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it gave me what I needed at the time. Um, the The philosophies behind AA is not for me. Okay, you know, I, you know, if I was to choose one, it would be there's um, re- rehabs, not rehabs, but there's support that works with the cognitive brain and the way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And learning how to control addiction with the way you think, right? Which is more my my style, yeah. You know, and um, you know, it was uh, it was uh, interesting to find my way through that because um, with the rehabilitation program that I was going to, in order for me to go to that program. I had to go to adult addiction services. So there I got a counselor. I did um, Zoom meetings um, weekly, which I had to do. It was a requirement for me to go to this rehabilitation program because of my history. Mm. So that helped. You know, um, I told myself I'd never touch anything again, and I haven't. Except for the bit of the marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm okay with marijuana. Mm-hmm. It's so, fine. Night and day compared to Completely. methamphetamine. I Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it was, uh, it was hard getting off it. And, and still to this day, I don't, I don't glamorize or fantasize of the idea of using, but I miss, some of the lifestyle, which is really weird. Mm. It's really weird because, you know, I, I, I was raised pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, I have very family oriented and, and, you know, they were religious. They, <laughs> my family was religious, not so much me. Mm. I'm more, I'm more the spiritual one now. Yeah. You know, um, more in the universe kind of thing. Right. You know, and, and, uh, but, you know, I was always around good people and, and, you know, to find myself sitting amongst criminals, mm. you know, mm. people that were planning their next auto theft. Right. You know, it was, it was nasty. In the end, it was nasty, mm. you know, and, and I would be sitting there and I'd be awake for days. Methamphetamine will, it kept me up the longest period I was up for was... Just over three weeks with no sleep. Holy smokes! And they say psychosis sets in after oh, three no weeks. Oh, no doubt. That oh, I would imagine. They I say actually he, after nine days. Yeah, I would think long before that. I yeah. go for like twenty-four hours without yeah. sleep, and I'm already getting loopy. So. Oh yeah, like for, yeah. I went more than three weeks without sleep. That's I remember wild. the days that when we would work together, there'd be days I'd come into work with no sleep over the weekend. Really, wow. all the time. Wow. My first day there, I was high. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the day we met, I was high. 
Wow. Completely high. Yeah. 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 See, I, I wasn't totally aware of that at the time. It was kind of something I learned through us talking after your, your stroke, that that was something you were dealing with and that, that the events that happened caused you to, to sober up. Yeah. Was there a point in the hospitalization when things really switched? Like, did they go from, oh, fuck, why did this happen to me? Like, I'm, my life is over to a point where you saw some, some hope and the light sort of at the end of the tunnel. I think it was the amount of people that reached out to me. Yeah. You know, and seeing the reality of it and and the amount of judgment that came from this from some and the amount of acceptance that came from some yeah. of because of this was unreal yeah like it's actually crazy well, sorry when you say judgment there were there people that were like judging you harshly oh yeah oh man oh no, if I, you tell people you're addicted to yeah. crystal meth mm. it's bad mm. like it is it's, it's right even up to even having a doctor mm. like like mm. people once you tell them you're a meth addict yeah it is the end yeah that and sucks. you know it does it's yeah. it really sucks especially because you know here i was sitting with all these criminals but i was always different right you know i i put up with them because mm -hmm. I needed uh, addiction wants company. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that was one thing I had to learn in the hospital was to ultimately learn to be okay with being alone. Mm -hmm. and, and who your, your real friends and are. And who your real friends are. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I found with my experience, so I was in there with a, a bowel obstruction, emergency surgery, you know, I'm put out and then i wake up the next day it's actually happened a few times but uh those first few times it's weird to talk about it that it's been a repetitive incident for me but yeah the first few times well every time it happened you don't want to no one ever wants to go to the hospital right no. it's not you're not looking forward to your next hospital visit um but there's initially that feeling of just dread that, oh, this is happening to me. This is going to incapacitate me for this next period of time. Like I had, I was going down this road. All of a sudden it took a turn and I'm going down this way. Um, but much like you shared, there was a point in there. I'm not sure when it was for me, but that it really changed. And I'm sort of, you know, thank goodness for technology in those situations where you can share on social media. Like I just post on Facebook, hey, everyone, I'm I'm in the hospital, surprise. Yeah. And the amount of love and outpouring from the people who really do care for you, people you haven't maybe heard from for a few years, but you realize, you know, even though we're not we're not talking that that friendship and that bond and love yeah. is is always there. And that was that was what really changed me in that situation. Same as you said, is uh, connecting with those people and having the phone calls and just realizing how much uh, certain people really do care for me and how grateful I was to have uh, those friends and family that that really care. And it uh, it was a very 
transformative experience every time that I've gone. And um, you talked a little bit about the spirituality side of things. I've kind of, well, definitely the way I look at life, I always believe that life isn't happening to us. It's happening for us in a sense. And even the worst tragedies as difficult as it may be to understand at the time, I do believe there's a silver lining in, in every cloud and that all these, these things and tragedies that they, they do happen ultimately for a reason and for a higher, higher purpose. Yeah. I, I, that's what I believe anyways. I'm not sure like how does that fit into, to your story in terms of your own beliefs and this, this sort of journey that it's, it's taken you on. Well, you know, We've all been taught the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. However, there's 11 spiritual laws, and that is only one. So what I'm getting from what we're talking about, which totally coincides with what we're talking about in this podcast, is the law of parallel. Par <laughs> Anyways, it's parallel. Yeah. So I, I always think that I'm lucky. Because I have experienced such good and I've experienced such bad. Right. That I have a true, mm. authentic feel of opinion. Yeah. And that I can be okay with my choices because I understand good and bad. Right. I understand black and white. I've never lived just in the white, in the light. I've understand and I've lived in the darkest of times totally. for me in my life. So therefore, when I make my choices now, I understand the good and the bad. I see both sides. That's beautiful. It's, it's wonderful, you know, and you know, as, as hard as this experience has been, that alone, the law of polarity. That's what it's called. That alone is worth it to learn that, to be that authentic. You know, like when you look at people that are charismatic Christian, that are raised and brought into that life without knowing the bad and how it can be so one-sided and they only are shown what they're told and what they're only believing what they're told is right mm. and good without knowing the other side. So kudos to everyone. <laughs> first of all, you mm. know, like there's no judgment coming from me ever, you know, whether you're a charismatic Christian or a criminal, mm. it doesn't matter. People are people. Everybody has a soul. Yeah. And, I found my own soul a bit more through this, you yeah. know? So, you know, I'm kind of getting sidetracked. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> no, I think, I think really you're just sort of uh, zoning in on gratitude. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say the same for me. I've been through quite a lot of darkness in my life, whether it's, mental health or addiction or like you said the physical trauma of being in the hospital i've i've had a lot of uh things that 
it, ideally, we would all wish never had to happen to anyone, yeah. uh, you know, in, in a perfect world. But the world we live in is a world of duality. There's light and there is darkness. And I think that, like you said, when you experience that darkness, it gives you a whole brand new appreciation for the little things. And uh, that's kind of what I was trying getting at with saying, I think that, you know, even though I really would have rather not had to go through the hospital and go through those experiences, they were really dark. And at times I question if I was even going to make it, like, was I going to live through this? Um, but because of that, it gave me this brand new appreciation for life. And especially last, the last time that it happened was in January of 2021. And uh, that was the height of, I don't know if it was the second or third wave of COVID. And I ended up in the ICU. Uh, I was on a, a life support like ventilator. And this is when two of the three ICU pods were completely filled with with COVID patients. And it just the whole situation, like I said, just really after a few days of feeling incredibly depressed and hopeless, I, I had this. I was just lying there in my hospital bed. It, it was, you know, January, the middle of winter and the sun was shining through my window. And I was just like, wow, you know, I I didn't die i made it and i've got all these people that are i'm having phone calls with yourself included that are you know encouraging me to to move on with my life and that that i i deserve uh health and happiness as we all do so um and i think that's ultimately why i wanted to have uh this discussion with you today because you have in our in our previous discussions talked about the gratitude yes that you've had you know as as much as you obviously do miss doing the hair and and i can certainly empathize with that um you've really channeled everything that's happened to you over these past few years into um this new appreciation for life i think and yes. and uh and you're doing really amazing artwork now it's it's super cool to see every day that you're you're posting on facebook and uh i know that there's a lot of people out there that that have a lot of love for you and and your story and what you're bringing to the world and uh it might have been different had, had you not had that stroke who knows yeah. you might still be out meth might have taken you out right you, oh yeah yeah so uh yeah that's I'm really glad that you're on the podcast today. And yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm excited for people to listen to this conversation because I think that there's a lot of wisdom in your words and your story, and uh, that there is a silver lining to to mm -hmm. that cloud. You know, I it, there is, and every day it's it's it it renews itself. To be honest with you, because. Here I am now trying to find a silver lining again. And mm -hmm. that's okay. Yeah. You know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with these life lessons. And, you know, I believe that nothing's being presented to me that I can't handle. Totally. You know, so sometimes it seems scary, but it will be okay. I always know that it will be okay. I'll have 
I'll learn something new and then something else will present itself to have the same challenges once again. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's the weird thing is, you know, now it's like, you know, I think to myself, well, what what can I do next? What is it that, what is my path going to look like? You know, because I did the hair thing, you know, I did the drug thing. <laughs> I did the attic thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I've done the stroke thing. I'm still doing it. But now what? Right. Now what's going to happen? What's it going to look like? You know, and it's like, you know, people have told me, I've even the doctors, they've said, write a book. Mm. You know, and I'm just like, well, if I could, I would, but I don't even know how, mm. <laughs> you know. And, you know, it's funny, a, a friend of mine um, suggested to me to find a, an editor and point form everything. They'll put it all into into perspective and into a story and you just that's what they do mm-hmm. and i'm just like well you know i i can do that mm-hmm. but i'm scared you know i'm just like i'm just scared. gotta take that that I'm, first step well and, <laughs> and i'm scared to tell the world that i'm addicted or was addicted well, to crystal math too late you're doing it right i'm doing it now <laughs> this is the first time the yeah. first time that i've ever publicly said that I was a crystal meth addict, a methamphetamine addict. Hardcore. Well, thank you for... for (laughs) (laughs) It blows my mind. You know, it's like sometimes it gets up in my throat and chokes me up a little bit, but it's okay. I'm ready to let people know. Yeah. You know, because... um, Well, you're, you're worth it and your story is worth it. It's so beautiful and uh i think what i'm hearing a lot of coming from both of us in our experiences is um the appreciation for just the present moment yeah because it it truly is all we have what happened to you and what happened to me and and anyone else yesterday is is history right that's right and we're here right now and and uh it's it's kind of the age-old wisdom that I think is contained in in all religions. Really, is the sort of this idea of the kingdom of heaven, quote quote unquote, is in the here and now, right? Yeah. And uh, and I think that 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 really is what I'm hearing ultimately from from your story and from so many people's stories that I that I've interviewed is you know what whatever is going to happen yesterday and the future it doesn't it's irrelevant to what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I certainly don't judge you and I don't think our listeners will either. I think there's going to be a lot of gratitude and, and support for the fact that you're, you came on here today to, to share that story. I'm really, I'm really happy that you did. It's something that I've been wanting to sit down with you to do for a while. And now that we're doing episodes again, yeah, I couldn't be, I couldn't be more thankful for that, Patrick. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, man, I could go on for hours about all this. There is such an experience behind all of this. Like the, you know, the, the side effect of being a meth addict is the possibility of a stroke. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the chemical reaction to the brain where it actually, the meth actually 
crystallized the arteries in the veins in the back of my brain, which prevented blood flow to my brain, which caused the stroke. I, you know, being a meth addict, I don't think you would even care. You would take the chance anyways. That's what you addiction know? does, right? Yeah, it, it exactly. overrides all the, the things we should be caring about. Yeah. And, and we just uh, focus on whatever the substance or thing is that's, that's uh, giving us that temporary relief. So, yeah, you know, and it, it was like knowing, knowing that it wouldn't have changed anything. However, it, it, it made sense. But anyways, um, I'm getting sidetracked. I don't even know where I'm at anymore. <laughs> I'm not high. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's a lot of information. And, and my experience alone, there's many stories that we can be doing above this. You know, like being a gay man mm-hmm. and, and living the life as a gay man, getting into the crystal meth world which has destroyed the gay community in North America. Mm. You know, like our, our, it's, it's amazing what it's done. Anyways, it's endless. Yeah. It's endless. Well, I think you've done a tremendous job of sort of transmuting your experience into, into bringing, bringing what you are bringing to the world. And, and I think that, I would definitely encourage you as well to to work on a book or share your art. We we now have a our new website up at elysiumproject.ca and I would be honored to to share some of what you're doing on there as well for for people to to support you. So that would be wonderful. Yeah, I think that there's the future is bright, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, who knows? Like, are you? Have you been getting mobility back to the left side of your body yeah, a little like, bit? Yeah. Like I can. I. I'm. My arms coming. You know. Like I know my fingers are moving. Mm. You know. And um, you know when I'm sitting at a table supporting the elbow, I can actually bend my hand, my elbow and bring my hand up to my mouth. Oh, wow. So I'm always pretending that I'm feeding (laughs) myself hamburgers, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because I need the visual. Yeah. You know, I need something to, I need to give it my movement purpose. Yeah. So it will stay in my brain. Yeah. You know, and I have to keep doing it. So every day I sit at the table after breakfast and even before breakfast, waiting for breakfast to be served, I am stretching my my hands and my arm and I'm my shoulders and I'm practicing doing, you know, movements and and helping myself move. And like I'll I'll sit there, I'll prop my elbow up on the table and put my hand under my chin oh, yeah. and I can actually hold it now without my hand flopping, <laughs> you know? So yeah. even that is progress. Yeah. You know, like that's huge progress for me to be able to hold it. Yeah. You know? Well, that's the, the interesting thing about strokes, like you said, and the neuroplasticity is that I guess from, from my understanding anyways, is that you can, you know, train, train your, your brain yeah. and your, your body to start, working again and, and relearning those those things that that got damaged through the yeah stroke you know it's interesting because when i'm trying to move and my body will go into spasticity 
where it's like shaking like control uncontrollably but once i work through it it stops which is my body telling me okay you can't get through those veins anymore they're damaged Mm -hmm. but we've rerouted you so now keep going keep trying and the more you can do that movement without going into spasticity, it's, it's, you know, I'm always grateful and celebrating myself every day because I, I can get movement, mm-hmm. you know, like I can stand even, even sitting on a toilet of all things to talk about, <laughs> but I can actually get up and stand up with one try now without having to try three times to launch off the toilet seat so I can stand up. Mm-hmm. You know, I can actually do it straight up yeah. one time. And my God, like, that's amazing for yeah. me. You know, it's not perfect. It's mm-hmm. not all the time. You know, like today I stumbled. Mm. And that's okay. I stumbled without grabbing anything and caught my balance and stood. And again, kudos to me. Yeah, like absolutely. that. Like I didn't fall. I that's the one thing I fell in the hospital the that first time when when I could not walk anymore, and I thought I still could, but now from then to now, I've never fallen. I've never had a fall. Knock on wood, <laughs> you know, because. That's all I need is to add a brain injury <laughs> on top of this brain injury, yeah. you know, to make things worse. Like it, it, it's not something that hasn't happened. Yeah. You know, I'm thankful that, you know, I'm okay that way. <laughs> I haven't fallen, totally. you know, and you know, who knows what the future will bring. Hopefully it won't be that, mm-hmm. you know, but who knows? Yeah. You know, but I'm thankful every day I'm getting stronger. Yeah. You know, I can I can take a few steps now. You know, I can take a few steps without a cane, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I use a walker and a cane if I'm not in my wheelchair. Mm. You know, but I, I need my wheelchair to go long distances, mm. hence why I'm always in my chair. But, you know, in my room, I use a cane. You know, so I, I can hobble around. I call it my hobble. But it's it's my attempt to walking, you know, and every day it feels different because all of a sudden I feel my hip flexor engaging and I'm able to lift my knee a little higher and, and all of a sudden my ankle is starting to work, you know, because it's amazing how many muscles and joints are involved in a single step. Oh, I bet. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. You know, and, and I always hope, okay, let that muscle memory come in, you know, yeah. but really it's like you have to work on every little thing in yeah. order for it to become a chain reaction. And it's like, yikes, <laughs> it's a lot of work. You know, this, so the second chance I've been giving, been given, the universe is telling me you're going to work this time. You're going to work hard. <laughs> yeah. it's been hard but it's worth it Mm -hmm. i feel safe i feel that i will never go back to that life right this has saved me wow 
Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Patrick, and being so open to sharing this story for the first time (laughs) publicly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we really, really appreciate it. No problem. Awesome. (laughs) And yeah, we hope to have perhaps some of your, your artwork or share some of your story more through our website on www.elysiumproject.ca. So hopefully that's something we can make happen in the coming months here. Awesome. Yeah. Great. All right. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for listening to the show today. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave us a review. You can find us online at www.elysiumproject.ca.